Cats podcast. Ready? Let's go. Hello, and welcome to the Community Cats podcast. I'm your guest host, Lisa Finkel. We're ready for another episode of Ask Stacy. It's so great to talk to you, Stacy. And June is going to mark the first anniversary of the podcast, isn't it? Yes, yes. Lisa, thank you so much for doing this. Happy to do it. I've enjoyed all the shows we've taped together over the last year. So I would venture to say it's pretty obvious that all of the listeners of your podcast care about cats. So today, let's switch it up a bit and let's focus on the people who don't like cats, community cats especially, who think they're a nuisance. I just want them G-O-N-E gone. So those are some, that's a tough problem to face. What are some of the approaches to managing situations where you have people who want, just want the cats gone? Yeah, it's a really good question. And it's something that comes up pretty much every summertime as more cats are outside, quasi-owned, unowned, abandoned, ferals, pretty much you name it, there are a lot of cats outdoors in the summertime, in the warmer weather. In the South, you're dealing with this as a year-round issue, but in the Northern, more colder climates, there's a seasonality to it. So people aren't used to seeing as many cats around. And then July comes and, oh my goodness, there's like 10 cats in your garden in the backyard using it as a litter box. So there are quite a few ways to manage these situations. And I'm going to try and start from the top, sort of looking at the top and then going down. So the first thing that I would recommend in having a situation, which usually results from some sort of a phone call of somebody complaining to somebody about the cats, whether it's your animal control officer, whether it's calling your organization. So somebody's already grumpy about things. So what you want to do is make sure that you collect all of the names of the parties that are involved in assisting these cats, as well as those that aren't really so excited that the cats are in the backyard. So this is very much of a negotiation situation. So you want to get all of the parties together, if possible, and try and work with them to create a solution. I will preface this a show by saying in all of the situations where I have worked, when all of the cats are 100% sterilized, all of the kittens and the friendlies have been removed and put up for adoption, I have never run into a situation where people are still dissatisfied, even the negative Nellies. So if you take away anything from this show today is as long as you believe in the faith that if you get every cat spayed or neutered in that colony and the friendlies and the kittens have been removed to be placed, put up for adoption, you're going to be very successful in any endeavor that you work with. But you want to get everybody together, and then you, as a community representative, want to depersonalize the situation. I can see, have seen so many situations where the fight becomes very personal, and I use that in air quotes, fight. People start taking things personally when some people are very aggressive about wanting cats removed. Other people take that as a personal attack. So you want to be very separate from the situation, work on getting everybody in the room, act professionally, act as a role as a facilitator or negotiator. 
don't take sides. It's very important not to show emotion or take sides and just say, we want to work together and find a mutual solution. And then present options. It isn't always the same solution. You need to present their options. Now, there are a lot of tools that you can use when presenting those options. There's motion-censored water sprayers. There's car covers. There's cat fencing. There are a lot of things you can use in gardens to make them not as exciting for cats. There are covers that you can use over sandboxes. So there's a lot of things that you can put into play to be able to prevent cats from being a nuisance in one person's particular backyard. Those are the specific tools. But before that, you really need to get everybody together and trying to work on a mutual solution. Well, I, you know, you pre-imagined the second question I wanted to ask is because I was going to say, I'm sure this is, you know, a situation that can become very emotionally charged, as, as you noted, and that giving into that emotion is probably going to result in not a good outcome. So, you know, what I hear you saying is, the first thing to do is find out what exactly is making these people upset. Which exact problems with the cats are they upset about? Right. And oftentimes these folks, they're not upset about the cats in general, but they tend to be upset about the fact that they're not being cared for or there's no knowledge of them being cared for. So a lot of it is just the fact that they don't have enough information or knowledge. So it's very important that everybody gets the same information, the same knowledge of what is going on with these cats. And I certainly would be very upset if I saw litters of kittens wandering through my backyard with runny, goopy eyes and limping kitties and that kind of thing. I would be very concerned. And if I didn't know about trap, neuter, return as an option, and if I didn't know about providing shelters as an option, I too would probably be like, somebody's got to do something and these cats shouldn't be here. So I can totally understand that perspective. Do you have some uh, war stories or case studies that come to mind in this area? Uh, yeah, yeah. I've worked, well, many scenarios over the years, but I'll share a couple of stories. We had a situation with a colony in Haverhill, Massachusetts, that involved two families next door to one another. And there was one family who absolutely loved this colony of cats, and then another family that didn't want them at all. And it was a very aggressive situation, and they were doing not so nice things to each other's properties without talking to each other. And we brought them all together. The one thing to note is that this colony was not spayed or neutered. It was not a sterilized colony. So we came in and we said we would get the cats all spayed and neutered. We'd rescue the kittens. Any of the friendlies that were not owned would get put up for adoption. Obviously, that takes some time. So we have to educate people that this is not something that's going to happen overnight, but we're going to be working at it diligently. And after the colony was done, the neighbors actually became very friendly. The neighbors that were against the cats became so supportive that when the caregiving neighbors would go out of town, the other neighbors would take care of the cats and make sure the cats were fed regularly and that kind of stuff. And they became true fans of Trap, Neuter, Return. And it was very positive and it was a, a great solution. 
And they also spread the word throughout the neighborhood that we were there and we would be able to help with getting all the cats spayed or neutered. And so it really helped us in our area of Haverhill starting our community outreach program. It was really a a great first step to build a reputation in the community and really be supportive of Trap Neuter Return. This was back in the middle 90s, so this was not when Trap Neuter Return was on anybody's radar. So it really was a great example. A second war story happened in early 2000s, and I worked on a condo complex in Franklin, Massachusetts, which had over 100-plus units. And there was a lot of press, actually, that came out about a feral cat colony there. There was It was even covered by Alley Cat Allies, the story of this large feral cat colony. And there were these mystery vans sitting there, and people thought that the cats were being trapped and removed and, you know, euthanized. There were a lot of complaints by the owners, and we came in to the situation. The cats were about 90% of them were not spayed or neutered. There were over 60 cats and kittens there, and the residents that were in the condos closest to the section of the woods where these cats were living, I could totally understand why they were upset. People were feeding them, but they were not getting them spayed or neutered. So we went in and we spoke to the condo association board. We, meaning myself and Laura Heffernan, who is now runs Lowell TNR, we went in, we created a plan, trap neuter return plan, and went in there, got everybody spayed or neutered, got the kittens placed, got any of the friendlies placed. And there was a team of owners that would go in and feed the cats on a regular basis. And that even included one of the owners that was one of the loudest complainers. And at this point in time, there's only three cats living out of that feeding station. So it's a very successful project. And the the condo association was really pleased with the work that we did. And we haven't been involved in years. I mean, we were really involved for about a year and a half. And then after that, the board association took over management of the whole project. Wow. (laughs) Those are two pretty amazing um, examples. Kitten season is upon us, and do we have a webinar for you? Listen and chat with Hannah Shaw, the kitten lady, on Saturday, June 17th at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and learn everything you need to know about saving kittens' lives. She'll be talking all about kittens and bottle babies, too. This webinar will cover the ins and outs of kittens, including an overview of issues impacting cats and kittens, how to set up your home, manage your time, and make fostering fun, how to properly feed, clean, and provide basic medical care to a kitten, how to get involved in your local community. To sign up, go to www.communitycatspodcast.com and click on the link on the homepage to sign up. We'll see you then. The Community Cats podcast will soon be a year old with over 200 episodes profiling amazing people who are all making a difference in the lives of community cats. If you would like to support the show but not be a sponsor, feel free to contribute to our efforts by going to www.communitycatspodcast.com and follow the donate link. Help us to continue to provide excellent programming. Won't there at some point be some situations where you just can't find alignment between the cat advocates and the cat opponents? 
Yeah, I would say, you know, I'm tr- I was trying with this question, Lisa, you were stumping me on this one because trying to think about, you know, is there ever a time where we have to walk away? Mm. Is there ever a time? And I'm such a think outside of the box person and trying to always think of alternative solutions to situations that I would hope that we would really use the walk away as a very last resort. I definitely think that there are some challenges in areas where you may have policy that works against us. I interview so many people that keep on saying that they have community ordinances that don't allow for TNR. And so if you've got that, that's a huge challenge. And I'm not sure if there's a magical solution for that other than the legislative going back and going through that legislative process, which is very daunting even for me. I'm sure that there are people who do TNR sort of under the radar in those communities, which is great as a reactive measure, but from a proactive measure, I think you do have to go back through that legislative process to really get better protections in place for community cats. And then we also have the wildlife issue of protective, you know, protecting sensitive wildlife areas. And those are very, very, I would call it fancy dance areas where we want to be involved There's always going to be cats in those communities. You need to have a very active and aggressive community cat group there, but also there is wildlife that needs certain types of protections. So you need to educate the human beings in that area about that protection because you've got indoor-outdoor cats, owned indoor-outdoor cats that are could be potentially considered just as much of a threat as a feral cat. Yeah. And I suppose, um, I hadn't thought about this earlier, but I suppose that a number of organizations like HSUS and Alley Cat Allies and others have materials on their websites that help people kind of walk through some of these situations and bring together these kind of mediation sessions. Yes, I would say that Alley Cat Allies and HSUS, both of them, I would say, potentially differing scales both have a desire to work with mediating and negotiating and trying to find the best possible solutions uh, for community cats. You know, another example in the policy arena that just kind of amazes me is that it's my understanding that the Department of Defense has a no TNR policy on all of its property locations across the country. So you're trying to help a group of cats that are that's on a you know, Department of Defense property, you're not allowed to trap there. So how can you help them? And that seems very, very frustrating in this whole process. And when we were doing our work on the waterfront with the Merrimack River River Feline Rescue Society, our TNR program, we had a feeding station at a Coast Guard facility for many years, and it was very, very successful. And then later in time, when our colony was much smaller, they told us we had to remove our feeding stations from their property because of a national policy. And that was uh, extremely unfortunate because it was tremendously successful. You know, the community liked it. The Coast Guard liked it so much so that, you know, they even had rescued a cat elsewhere and brought the cat back to their feeding station at Coast Guard in Newburyport. So there, I can see a lot of situations where, you know, life is tough for, for TNR. It, make, it makes me want to write my congressperson. <laughs> 
Well, and everybody should. I mean, we don't have to do it just because it's lobby day or just because there's some pending legislation that's either good or bad. The best thing to do is to contact your local legislator and just get to know them and get a relationship with them so that when something does come up, you have that relationship and you can contact them. The Humane Society of the United States has a huge lobbying effort, and they have representatives in pretty much almost every state across the country. And Katie Lisnick has been a very frequent guest on the Community Cats podcast, and you should always get to know your local legislators and really just always share with them how important it is to protect community cats. That's great. Uh, Great stuff. Let's switch gears again a bit. I understand that you have a webinar coming up with one of my favorite people in the feline ecosphere, as you have already said before in a previous show, Hannah Shaw, the kitten lady. Having met her and seen her speak, I know this will be a fantastic opportunity for your listeners to learn her secrets. So tell me what she's got planned for this webinar. Yeah, so I'm so thrilled that Hannah has is willing to join us on June 17th, that's Saturday, June 17th at 11 a.m. Hannah is going to be doing a webinar on bottle babies and kittens and everything that you need to know. So she's going to go through how to be a great foster home, how to provide for them, how to photograph, advertise, find adopters for your kittens, and how to handle compassion fatigue when you do adopt everybody out, get tired. And I mean, I personally, that bottle baby thing is just exhausting just to think about, you know, and how to get involved in your local community. And it's she's just an incredible wealth of knowledge. And visually, if you have not gone to her Instagram account, you should, because it's just, it's just tremendous. And I'm so looking forward to it. And you can sign up for this webinar by just going to the communitycatspodcast.com website. And the webinar will be listed right there. I will be doing that as soon as, uh, as, soon as we finish. Stacy, I don't know if you know, but tomorrow, according to my calendar, is Hug Your Cat Day. And many of our listeners are probably saying, wait, that's, that's every day, isn't it? Uh, so Stacy, do your cats like hugs? (laughs) Yeah, well, so I have two cats. Many of you know Hooch, who is actually, he's just waking up from a nap now. So you might've heard him snoring a little bit earlier, but Hooch, who's eight years old, he is very huggable. He's great. And then I have Misha, who is 15 years old. She was one of my foster, well, both of them are foster failures. So she was, she's a semi-feral kitty. So she will let me hug her and I will certainly hug her on June 4th, but she does it with much regret, I think. So I think we all have to have one that will enjoy us and one that will tolerate us. That's exactly what I have. My cat Henry will allow you to do pretty much anything to him, carry him you know, around the house like a sack of potatoes. And Mojo, does. if you look at him, he thinks he's about to get put into the carrier to go to the vet. So it's pretty hard to do anything with Mojo, but in the middle of the night, he does come and give nuzzles. So he is hugging us in his own way. And I guess the sad thing is we can't hug our community cats because of who they are. And so today, I guess, or tomorrow, we just need to virtually hug them by making the world a better place. Yes. Yes, we'll definitely do that. And as we mentioned in the our little pre-show chat, 
Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society is very near and dear to both of us, and you are still extremely active. And so for Hug Your Cat Day, if you happen to be in Massachusetts or southern New Hampshire, run on down for the strut for strays. And on June 4th in Newberry, Mass, I believe it'll be held. It's what is it? How many strut for strays is it this year? I believe this is the 22nd or 20, 22nd. And so, yeah. So for what, what a great day. So that's a, a good way to do a virtual hug. Yep. And you can learn more about that at mrfrs.org. Any announcements to close with, Stacy? That's pretty much it. I want to thank all the folks that participated in our survey, and we had some great responses from that. I'm learning a lot about what your needs are, what your pain points are. There are a lot of people who need more volunteers, a lot of people who need more money to help with their work. So not a, not a lot of surprises, but it's great to hear from folks and get ideas and suggestions for what the Community Cats podcast is going to look like going forward. We still have room for Community Cats grant applications, so feel free to get those in. We've got about 40 groups participating in that program right now. And don't forget about Hannah Shaw, the kitten lady, Saturday, June 17th at 11 a.m. Eastern time. Sign up for that webinar at www.communitycatspodcast.com. Cool. Thank you so much, Stacey. Lots of good, lots of good learning today uh, talking to you. As always, thanks, Lisa. I want to hear from you what the Community Cats Podcast means to you. You can now leave a recorded testimonial on the Community Cats Podcast website and share your thoughts about the show. You can also ask questions, share show ideas, pretty much anything you want. Just go to www.communitycatspodcast.com and click on the testimonial link and record. You hear from me all of the time, and now I want to hear from you. Thank you. Thank you.